and welcome to the Articulera. My name is Kushi Kanjibotla and I will be one of your hosts today. I am a senior at American High School and this will be our third episode. It is the first episode for the year 2021 though. One month in and 2021 doesn't seem to be the rainbows and sunshine we were all hoping for. We had the four eyes take place every Wednesday. Insurrection, impeachment, inauguration, and now investments with the stock market, GameStop, and AMC. Um, I can't provide any details on it because I don't understand the stock market. Anyways, um, today's episode will have our usual creepy crawly segment, all things paranormal and criminal, with other various abstract segments. So today, starting us off, we have B, who will be talking about SCPs. of the Articulator Podcast. I'm your host, B. Chaudhary, and I'm a sophomore. And uh, today we're going to be talking about something that's a little creepy. So if you get spooked easy or if you're listening to this at night, maybe take a break or listen with someone else or just, you know, take your time. Don't worry about it. We're still here. And if you really don't like it, you can skip this section and I will not hate you for it. Trust me. I know I know how it feels. I can't listen to like horror things at night but this isn't really horror actually um we're talking about scps scp stands for secure contain protect um they are scps are either organisms or items that pose as a threat to humanity um and they are kept like in containment in a research facility to be studied by scientists they have different classes based off of how hard they are to contain we're going to be looking i'm only going to be showing you all too but we're going to look at them, and they're both going to be Euclid, which means that they're sentient and automatically makes them a threat because they think on their own, and it's hard to tell what they're thinking. Um, there's some that have been completely figured out, which are labeled as safe, which basically means they figured out all the rules and what makes them tick and what doesn't, and so they can be let out into society, and uh, people can be like safe you know it's not like they don't know what's going on it's like okay i know how i'm supposed to treat this one anyways i'm only gonna go over two there's thousands if you don't like these ones look at the scp wiki find ones you like find ones you think are funny just be aware that some of them are a little gory and they include some of them include photos some of them don't so just brace yourself for that like it's not gonna kill you but it's just oh it's a little like a jump scare it was a little, it's a little weird. I would be a little cautious. Anyways, first one I'm looking at is SCP number 002, the quote unquote living room. It is a fleshy, tumorous ball with a biological living room inside. All of the furniture is made of biological matter and it traps people. And you know what? When it traps, you, it traps people when they go in alone. And when, and when they are let out, I mean, they aren't let out. They turn into furniture when the living room opens back up. Like, there's new furniture in there. All of the furniture is made out of, like, hair and nails and bones. And it, it's just, like, it's a sight to see. Um, staff are not allowed to go near it alone. They must hold hands when approaching it because it warps the reality. And then they'll think they're alone or, like, something's happening that's not happening. So you have to hold hands so you know someone else is there. 
it must always be connected to power. And if your power goes out, like in the facility, if the power goes out, they need to like shut down the building, like lock it up and run, like just absolutely ditch it in there because it will get hostile. And it only responds to living humans. If you put like a cadaver or a different primate inside there, it won't trap it. It just, it doesn't trap it. It doesn't do anything with it. Yeah, this one's my brother's favorite, which is why I included it. I think this one's so funny. The photo of it is just like a ball floating in the middle of like a room. So, it's nothing too gory. Don't worry about that. But, some of them are. I saw ones that have like blood and stuff, and I would brace yourself for that. Anyways, the next one we will be going over is SCP-173, which is my personal favorite. It doesn't have a nickname like the other one, but this one is a very popular one, and I completely understand why, okay? This one is a giant concrete statue of a T-posing baby that's also made with some rebar and spray paint. It's a weirdly shaped baby, okay? It's like the head is like half of its body, and I think that's so funny. It's also T-posing, and you have to maintain eye contact with it at all times, or it'll snap your neck. Which means that when staff go over to it, they are not allowed to blink. So it's like, oh, you have to tell tell your buddy, like, hey, I need to blink now. And so it's like, okay, I'll, I'll stare at this while you blink. And I think that's so funny. It's, it's very violent and very hostile, and I just, I love it so much. It's so funny to look at. It's just a little... Like, it's got some shock value to it when you first look at it. But, oh my god, I love this one. It's so funny. Yeah, it's like, it's one of my favorites, honestly. I've known about this one for a while. And I just think it's so good. Anyways, that is all of the ones that I have for today. If you guys like this, maybe we can do this another time also. Just go over some more. Like, thank you guys for being great listeners. I know this one's a little much, but... You know, it's it's fun. It's a good time. I think SCPs are so much easier to digest than other forms of horror. I really just don't like the humanoid ones. There's some that look like people, and that kind of freaks me out a little. That's just like Uncanny Valley, though. Like, I don't know. There's some fun ones, though. Like, I saw one that looked like a giant centipede, and I thought that was really fun. Well, um, I hope you guys enjoyed this. If you didn't, that's okay. It's not for everyone. But if you did... That's okay. I love that for you. And I hope you have a good rest of your day. And have a good time. Uh, Lots of hugs and kisses. Um, Have fun. Thank you, B. Um, When they pitched the idea of SCPs to me, I had no idea what they were. But now I'm intrigued while um, also a bit creeped out. But moving on to a more not as creepy topic, we have Krish with his friends talking about gaming and their experiences gaming. Hello everyone, I'm Krish Angadala. I'm a junior and welcome to Get Good, a section of this month's podcast where we discuss gaming and the gaming community here at American. Today I am joined by Ujwal and Ukarsh Prasad. Hello, my name is Ujwal Prasad, and I'm a freshman at American High School. And I'm Mukarsh, and I'm a senior at American High School. Okay, so um, let's let's just start off with uh, talking about our favorite games. 
<laughs> favorite games, yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay. Ujual, so, yeah, go. Start with you, Ujual. Yeah, the game I mainly play the most and is Minecraft. Minecraft, okay. Yeah. All right, why, why, why do you like playing Minecraft, Ujual? Um, because it's really, it has a lot of different facets. Like, it isn't only one thing. You can do so many different things in Minecraft, and I find that really enjoyable. Mm. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll go with me now. Um, my favorite game is Destiny 2 because I think it's, uh, people don't give it the credit that it deserves. And it t- took one of my, uh, you know, my most, I mean, it brought me into first person shooters to play that. Cause I was very, I was mainly into random like RPGs, MMOs. Mm-hmm. And then like, because it combined the fact that it was, you know, a first person shooter made by, you know, one of the, I think the creators of Halo, I think I have to check on that. But and it was also an MMORPG, so I found that like really like great, and it had a great uh, storyline, great feel. The game itself was really cool. Wait, so. what do you, what exactly uh, do you do in Destiny Two? Um, so it's like so there's different storylines leading up to. Um, right now it's uh broken up into different uh camp uh campaigns. Uh, what do you call them? Well, campaigns. That's what they're called essentially. Where you buy you the original game, the original campaign is free, but anything extra you have to add on. And the entire feel for the game, the um, the customization of it, especially with um, thing, like if you get a gun, you don't just get a gun. You have different roles with the gun. There are different perks that you even make that can make a really good uh, gun with high stats like terrible, or a really bad gun with bad, uh, with you know terrible stats like really good with those specific perks and things. But yeah, that, that's why I really that's why I looked like the customization aspect was amazing. And something I, I kind of hate about it is the fact that there's a hella there's a lot of grinding. Yeah. But yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Karsh? Um. Uh, recently, I've gotten into Valorant because Valorant's just been blowing up, and all my friends have been playing it, so I've kind of been influenced to play it too. And it's actually quite enjoyable because the sole aspect of like playing with friends is just like it's just like amazing like having fun in like a game that you love is just like you know just like a different like level and i've i don't think i've like experienced that for a long time like the last time i think i would have experienced that would be fortnite in like ninth or tenth grade and i'm i i took a break from games because of just school in general, like AP classes in 11th grade and stuff like that. But I think Valorant has been a really refreshing aspect of my life. Mm, okay. But um, yeah, so I just want to talk about, you know, going back to one of the other topics, like the gaming community surrounding your game. Um, so like, how do, how do you, how do you, how is it for you guys? Like how, um, you know, how, how do you feel it? I can go you, first if yeah, yeah go ahead yeah I can go first if Ujo yeah. wants some more time to think because I literally one of my friends just texted me and he was like and he uh, like both of us applied to Harvard and he has his interview today and I have it tomorrow and he literally just told me that he spent 10 minutes of an, of like the hour of the interview just talking to his interviewer about Valorant and just like describing the game and stuff so this like 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 gaming in general can be expanded to so many different like just so many different facets of your life like literally an interview to an ivy league like i don't mm-hmm. think i would have ever like connected those two and at the school specifically like it's 
games are a really good way to make friends if you're like more of an introvert if you don't like have really great social skills gaming is like uh much easier to get to know each other and stuff like that mm. yeah so what about you Joel? so what makes the minecraft community so appealing for you um one re- one thing i like a lot about the minecraft community is just how easy it is to make friends and how easy it is to have fun with people that you'll probably never see in real life like for example one of my best friends actually his name is net well his real name is william but like his username is net so i just call him that he actually lives in canada and his oh. first language is french hmm. okay. and even though even though these really big differences we still met over minecraft and we still been really good friends i've been playing with him almost every day for like the past eight months now mm, yeah i totally get that especially with like destiny because yeah. a lot of um it's like a lot of the uh you know game modes where you need to where a lot of the harder game modes or game yeah game modes require you to you know a lot of teamwork and puzzle puzzle uh solving and um like you have to, to in order to like uh, finish it they're called raids so um raids are really hard because um essentially in most other game modes you know like almost like the system is like holding your hand right like you the system is telling you um this is what you have to do but with raids yeah. it's the complete opposite you have to figure it out through the uh what's given to you and mm-hmm. for that it requires a whole lot of like teamwork and preparation and that's what like uh really appeal that's another thing that really appeals to me is the fact that um you have to, it's a lot of uh it's not just like uh like a brainless first person shooter because it's also something that requires you to think and make decisions and uh work with a group and I, thank you so much for coming um that will that's a wrap for get good i hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and uh thank you so much I am also clueless when it comes to gaming, so thank you Krish and thank you Krish's friends for that very enlightening talk. My experience in gaming is limited to being absolutely trash at Mario Kart and the Games for Girls website I used to visit every single day when I was younger. Well, this brings us back to our creepy topics, more specifically our creepy crawly segment. Hey guys, welcome to Creepy Crawlies, a section of Articulera where we talk about all things paranormal and the harrowing world of true crime. We're your hosts, Namita Nair and Isis Patan. Today we will be talking about the most prolific serial killer in the United States, Samuel Little. Samuel Little, born Samuel McDowell, was an American serial killer who was convicted in 2012 of the murders of three women in California around the time of 1987 and 1989. And he also committed murder in 2018 of one woman in Texas in 1994. And he confessed to killing as many as 93 women. And investigators have linked him to over 60 murders. And many of his victim deaths, however, were originally ruled as overdoses. But now they're all coming out to be his murders. Yeah, that's that's insane. Some bo- some of the bodies were never found, and this man is actually worse than Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer. And it was and the FBI actually has um, 
his confession videos available on the FBI website where he talks about what happened when he murdered these women and he even draws pictures of the victims because the FBI is still trying to identify every woman that he killed. It was really disturbing and something that really struck me was that his demeanor there's like no remorse in and the no remorse in any single cell of his body he sounds like he was talking about like hanging out with a friend or someone he took out on a date he like laughs and chuckles while talking about it and he's like he's clearly disturbed and it was it was frightening to see cuz if you had walked across him in the street you wouldn't have thought that he was somebody who killed over 60 women he the way he was talking about it it was like he was talking about his day and it was it was really it was really disturbing i know you watched them what did you think yeah it was really weird to watch cuz like halfway through you almost forget like he's talking about a murder like his tone of voice and like it's so scary how charismatic he is like for sure if i met him on the street i would not think he was a murderer at all and that yeah was- that's one of the traits of psychopaths is that you they're very charming and that's usually why they're so dangerous yeah that's it's really scary and also how he seems so excited to talk about the murders like you think someone who killed a lot of people wouldn't want to confess but he was like he wanted to tell the um investigators of all his murders and stuff like he was like proud of them and that was really weird yeah and for a little bit of background little was arrested on September 5th 2012 at a homeless shelter in Louisville Kentucky and he was extradited to California to face a narcotics charge after which authorities used DNA testing to establish that he was involved in the murders of Carol Eileen Alford who was killed on July 13th 19 87 Guadalupe Duarte Apodaca killed on September 3rd 1987 and Audrey Nelson Everett killed on August 14th 1989 and from there they just kept linking him to different cases and his body count just kept going up and many of Mr. Little's victims were marginalized young black women who were estranged from their families and struggling with poverty and addiction and in many cases their deaths did not draw the same level of attention or outrage as other killings just because of the background of his victims and he knew that very well he was actually very proud of the fact that the women that he killed people were not looking for and that's what he took advantage of that's actually really sad to think about that like he knew these black women would not be cared about and so that's why he like killed them which is really messed up um and also uh Samuel Little he died on December 30th at the age of 80 and um like specifically about his murders he preferred the method of strangulation to kill his victims and a lot of the time he would um just like dig them up wherever like in one case he killed a transgender black woman and he killed her on the highway and then just like left her in the mud and he was really proud of that too of like where he found a place to dig her which is really creepy yeah and he talked about how he remembers their heights and their weights and even details about their lives and like i watched a lot of criminal minds and i'm really fascinated <laughs> 
with all of those kind of TV shows, which is how this podcast kind of started. But um, he acts basically the memories of him killing them is basically his trophies from each kill. And you can tell that he basically savors them because of the way that he talks about them in those videos. I mean, the inhumanity of it all is just crazy. And I think it's really interesting about the detail that he remembers, like their weight, their height, like little details about their life. And I was watching this one video about him and the investigator was saying how he's a genius. Like he's so smart for remembering all of it and like being able to kill them without getting caught. And that was really scary to me. And also the fact that like he could draw his victims too. Like he was like an artist and kind of because of like his artistic um, uh, talents, he kind of had like wanted to create these murders in kind of an artsy way, if that makes sense. Like he would like fantasize about them and like how to kill them. So he would be like really happy about his murders. And that's just really weird to think about. Yeah, I mean, like I was reading an article the other day. Um, Jillian Lauren is the only reporter to have ever talked to Sam Little. And so she asked him, why do you feel you need to own women? And he said, I wanted their helplessness. All I ever wanted was for them to cry in my arms. And he said, Denise, which is one of his victims, cried. Um, And she said, if it was all you ever wanted, why didn't you let her live? And he said, well, you got me there. Maybe it wasn't all I wanted. Isn't that so sinister? Yeah, that's that's so weird. Yeah, it's... So, it's oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to ask, like, so, like, what is it that he wanted? Yeah, like, I, I mean, I guess he basically wanted to kill. Like, it was just something that he wanted to do. Which is, like, common trait with all serial killers once they stop, they can't... Uh, once they start, they can't stop. Excuse me. Yeah, and it's it's so crazy. They caught him over and over again on unrelated charges, and it took until 2012 for them to actually catch him and pin him for all these murders. That's so weird. It took so long. And also, I find it weird how he's um, the most prolific serial killer, but like I haven't really heard about him that much like compared to Ted Bundy and all these other serial killers. Like, he was way worse. He killed, like, uh, he confessed to killing 93 people. But still, he's not as known. So I find that really weird. Yeah, that is really weird. Um, And if you want to know more about his victims or you know people who are looking for their own missing family members from around the 80s and the 90s, please visit the FBI page about Samuel Little. There are videos on there where people can go and look and try to identify their missing loved ones. But thank you for tuning in to our podcast. Please stay safe and stay at home. This has been Creepy Carly's with your hosts, Nami and Ifa. And remember, the answer is never murder. This is a segment I am not clueless about, as I am a very big Criminal Minds fan. I really do look forward to our Creepy Crawly section, so thank you, Namita and Ifa. Now, um, we have MC and Harita talking about a more serious topic, I want to say, with all that happened in January. MC and Harita wanted to provide a quick five-step way on how to be more politically aware. 
Hi, everyone. My name is Menting Chang, and I'm a senior at American High School. Hi, everyone. My name is Haritha Rajasekhar, and I'm a junior at American High School. Today, our segment will be focused on a topic very prevalent, not only in our current social political atmosphere, but throughout our lives, political awareness. As teens, it may seem difficult to keep up with all the buzzing news, but however difficult, it's our responsibility as global citizens to be aware of what goes on in our society. And for that reason, today, we're going to be teaching you a five-step process to become more politically aware. Step one, finding unbiased sources. For example, BBC, Associated Press, and PBS. If you are using a larger newspaper source, identify which party they're leaning towards. Be cognizant of this bias while reading through the information and comprehending it. The second step is to know who your local legislators and politicians are. The key step to being politically aware is voting. It is incredibly substantial that we register or pre-register to vote. If you are unable to vote, continue to learn about your local government and who participates in them. This way, you can encourage and educate other voters. Number three, keep track of bills and legislations that are being passed in your state. Though initially it may seem overwhelming, allow yourself to take it step by step and you'll possibly gain full comprehension of your state's voting rights. A website that describes all the legislation and bills that are being passed is Legiscan.com. Through this website, you can learn more about what bills are up for vote, how they can affect you and your community, and who's supporting them and who isn't supporting them. The fourth step is to reach out to your local community organizations. Many organizations, especially in California, aim to diversify their perspective through community organizing and outreach. By reaching out and researching about local organizations, you will have the opportunity to directly be involved in local politics and candidacies. Step five, share information on social media. Now, this is a step that we all have to be really careful with. When sharing information on social media, make sure that all the information you post or share with your friends is 100% accurate. If not, you can be contributing to dangerous conspiracy theories and falsehoods, and this can cause a lot of repercussions that you may not intend to um, provoke. So please be sure that all the information you post is accurate. By sharing this information, you're spreading awareness on issues that are prevalent and issues that you're passionate about, thereby allowing other people to become more politically involved in the issues you're concerned about. So social media is a realm that you have to be very careful with. So no matter what information you share, be 100% sure that it's accurate. Now, what do you think about being politically aware, MC? Politically Being politically aware is something that tends to be very difficult because we're being Mm -hmm. fed a lot of information throughout our daily lives, for Mm -hmm. example, on the news uh, from the people around us and everywhere on the internet. So sometimes, you know, all these sources together, it can create a sort of echo chamber where you hear the same ideas over and over again. Agree completely. I think, especially in our current atmosphere, it's really hard to understand who to listen to and what to listen to. So I think no matter how hard it is, we really have to close in on the sources that are reliable and focus on what's going on in our country and in our world, because these are all issues that are really important and that can impact us today, tomorrow, or even years from now. So 
that's what I think about political awareness. How do you try to stay politically aware? Well, uh, whenever I research a topic, I mm-hmm. I try to find multiple sources that may give me conflicting ideas. I try to see who supports which politician, uh, mm-hmm. who is investing in certain politicians, and that really gives you an idea of who that person is, despite what they who they claim to be. Agreed. I think uh, I think there's a lot of politicians who are aiming to do a lot of good things for our community, and we should be mindful of that, and we should continue to support, spread awareness, and encourage people to vote for those uh, elected officials, because I think they're really trying to make a change in our community. And at the same time, we should also try to find out what bills are dangerous, what bills are harmful. And with this knowledge, which is the most substantial thing as humans that we can gain, we can really make a lasting impact on our world. So I encourage everyone to really go in and delve into all the new sources that we have and find out which one's reliable, which is not reliable, find out accurate information and really make an impact of the impact on the world with the first step being having the knowledge of what is going on and hopefully if you follow all five of our steps you are now more politically aware thank you so much for listening to the segment of articulera bye bye thank you mc and harita for that easy five-step process. This brings us to our last segment of the podcast, Zodiac Signs. I've been seeing so many TikToks centered around them, so here's a quick informative segment on them brought to you by Sabiha and Natasha. Hello everyone, my name is Sabiha Jamil and I'm a sophomore. My name is Natasha Rodriguez and I'm a junior. We're both part of the Articulera podcast team and are here today to present you a fascinating segment on zodiac signs. So pretty much today, we're just going to be debriefing and discussing zodiac signs, so if you're interested, then please keep listening. Zodiac signs were pretty popular amongst people like before and even now, as they can discover their personalities and personality traits. But recently, due to like the influence of social media like TikTok, etc., the topic of zodiac signs have been especially trending as people connect themselves to their zodiac signs. For those who aren't familiar with zodiac signs, it's pretty much like Western astrology, and it has like 12 astrological signs, and the first um, sign is the first point of Aries. The order of the astrological signs goes from Aries, Taurus, Gemini, Cancer, Leo, Virgo, Libra, Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. And these are all according to the 12, 12 months of the year. Now we're just going to be going into the signs of each month. First off is Aries from March 21st to April 19th. Then is Taurus, April 20th to May 20th. Then Gemini, May 21st to June 21st. Then Cancer, June 22nd to July 22nd. Then Leo, July 23rd to August 22nd, Virgo, August 23rd to September 22nd, Libra, September 23rd to October 23rd, Scorpius, from October 24th to November 21st, Sagittarius, from November 22nd to December 21st, Capricorn, from December 22nd to Jan 19th, Aquarius, from Jan 20th to Feb 18th, Pisces, from February 19th to March 20th. 
So now we're kind of going to go through a brief description for each sign. So for Aries, for Aries, they're bold, ambitious, and always dive headfirst into even the most challenging situations. Taurus enjoy relaxing and serene, bucolic environments surrounded by soft sounds. Geminis are constantly juggling a variety of passions, hobbies, careers, and friend groups. Cancers have the ability to exist in both emotional and material realms. Leos are the theatrical and passionate, and they love to be in the spotlight. Virgos are logical and have a practical approach to life. Libras are obsessed with symmetry and strive to create perfection in all areas of life. Scorpios have strength from psychic and emotional realms. Sagittarius are always on a quest for knowledge, chasing after intellectual and spiritual adventures. Capricorns are skilled at navigating both the material and emotional realms. Aquarius people are free-spirited and eccentric and they can often be identified by their unusual hobbies and unique attitude. Pisces effortlessly adapt to their surroundings, kind and gentle, enjoy shared experience of music and romance. So for our opinions on like the different zodiac signs, I personally believe that like zodiac signs are a pretty accurate depiction of like who someone is and like their personality. Like if you don't know someone and you like you know their like um zodiac sign, but I feel like you could kind of picture what kind of person they are and if like if you're gonna like align with them and like it's like like to be friends or like to hang out with them, you could like tell what kind of person they are by like not even meeting them. Because, like, it's a pretty accurate description, because, like, all the traits and stuff, even if it's, like, not all the traits, I feel like it's, like, gonna be most of them, so I feel like it's, like, probably over 90% of the time, like, pretty accurate. Yeah, I, I disagree with that, but, um, that's because people are not usually labeled by their zodiac sign. Like, there might be similarities, but it's not, like, 100% accurate, and it's... And as astronomical views from, it's just astronomical views from the past. It's just something to find out for fun, and some of the traits might align, but it'll never be like hundred percent accurate. Like you shouldn't like determine who you are as a person because some, maybe the sign that you are doesn't actually like align with you. Maybe the sign is like Aquarius, and you're like free spirited, but you're actually like an like an introvert. So that's it. Kind of depends on the individual personally and the actions. Yeah, I guess I kind of, like, agree with that as well. Like, it's not, like, you're not necessarily labeled by it, but, like, most of the time it'll, like, pretty much, like, align with your personality. Like, in rare instances, it can be, like, completely different, but I feel like for the most part, it's pretty accurate. Like, with my friends and stuff, that's what I've noticed. Like, personally, I'm a Sagittarius, and that, like, perfectly aligns with who I am and, like, my personality. So I think it's, like, a pretty good match, but, like, at the end of the day, it's, like, for fun, and it's, like, not, a, like, a literal interpretation. Zodiac sign for the day, 
the message for the day sometimes it vaguely de- de- describes what you are, but it's not exactly the description that that relates to you. Yeah, I understand and, your point. Yeah. Well, that's it. And guys, for our segment today, we hope you enjoyed. Hopefully, learned a th- thing or two about this topic. Thanks for tuning in. Have a wonderful day. I'm a Leo, and do I always have to be in the spotlight? I mean, I am one of the hosts of this podcast. Anyways, that brings us to an end. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot. Everyone, please stay safe and wear your masks when you go outside. And we'll see you, or more like you'll hear us, in a few. Bye-bye.